Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. Aren't you glad that if you're saved and the Spirit of God dwells in you and if you're saved, He does. Salvation's not by feeling, but I am glad I can feel it every once in a while. Amen. I'm telling you around here, I feel it so often. And I bless the Lord to be a part of a church that way. Ephesians. Amen. I don't even know where I'm headed. Amen. First Samuel chapter number one. Let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God this morning. First Samuel chapter number one, the last Sunday um, prior to Brother Smith being here, I brought a message uh, on both of our Sunday services out of this. And Lord willing, we're going to try to finish that up today. First Samuel chapter number 1, verse number 1, the Bible says, Now there was a certain man of Ramathaim, Zophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jerahim, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zoph, and Ephrathite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penina his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion for he loved Hannah but the Lord had shut up her womb and her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb and as he did so year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord so she provoked her therefore she wept and did not eat then said Elkanah her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? She arose, And so Hannah arose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid but will give unto thine handmaid a man child then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life and there shall no razor come upon his head and it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth now Hannah she spake in her heart only her lips moved but her voice was not heard therefore Eli thought she had been drunken and Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And he said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord, and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew, his, uh, knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's bow for a word of prayer together and we'll get into the message that the Lord would have for us this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come into your presence once again as thankfully and humbly, Lord, as we know how. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be in church. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to have been able to come through a wonderful Sunday school hour and hear the teaching of the Word of God. In the, uh, Lord, the adult class that I was privileged to sit in, I appreciate the message out of the book of Galatians. And, Lord God, the lesson that you gave, Brother Tommy, for our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for the other classes that went on and how you used those teachers to proclaim your truth, Lord, to uh, the young people, Lord, that not only are the next generation, 
generation of believers and the next generation of Beacon Baptist Church. But Lord, they're more than just the next generation. They are also the current generation. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege to uh, try to raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord and put a premium on the Bible in their hearts and in their lives. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done in this 11 o'clock hour already. The songs that have been sung in the fellowship that's been <coughs> that's been had and Lord just everything that you have allowed <coughs> to take place during this time is so wonderful. And Lord, we just praise and bless your name for it. Father, I do pray for the next few moments that you'd forgive me of sin, empty me of self, fill me with your spirit, use me for your glory, that for these next few moments I can be used in your hand to say that which you would have to be said. I pray, dear God, that you would fill me with the Holy Ghost. Use me, God, as only you can. Lord, I pray that you would uh, put a watch over my mouth and I may not say anything that wouldn't bring honor and glory to you. And Lord, wouldn't be beneficial in this place. And Father, I pray that you'd help me to only say the things that you would have to be said. Father, I pray that you'd help me to, divide, to, to rightly divide the word of truth. Lord, I want nothing to, this morning. I have no other agenda than to preach the word of God rightly divided and to do it in such a way where first and foremost you'll be pleased and I'll have the amen of heaven on everything that's said and done today. Uh, Lord, whether Lord, whether it, it garners the uh, amen of the world or even the church, Lord, as long as I have your amen. Uh, Lord, that's all I'm worried about, and help me to preach that way, uh, Lord. But I do pray, God, that you'd help me to say something that'd be a blessing and a help, uh, Lord, to your people, whether it be by way of reproof, rebuke, or, ex or, ex or exhortation. I pray it would be a blessing in one form or the other. Please, God, I pray, get glory to yourself. Help me to lift you up, as uh, Lord, as it is impossible uh, for me to do without your help. But I pray, God, that you would help me to lift you up in such a way to where you would draw all men to yourself. May sinners be saved. May lives be changed. May the saints of God find strength and, and food from the scriptures today. Remind us of a truth, God, that we so desperately need. And Father, we'll thank you, Lord, for what you do in the name that is above every name. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. The Sunday prior to this past Sunday, and I do appreciate last Sunday, what God did for us last Sunday with Brother Smith uh, being here. Appreciate the messages from Brother Smith that God used him to give us. But the Sunday before that, we came here to 1 Samuel chapter number 1, and we looked at uh, two words in verse number 11 to gain our thought from, as well as a phrase in verse number 19. And if you remember, it is all centered around the word remember. Verse number 11 says that uh, the Bible said, and she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me. In other words, and she says it there in the, in the statement following, and forget and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man child. And I'll deal with that more in a minute. But what she's asking God to do is not to forget about her, to not forget about her request, to not forget about her situation that, God, that she wants to be remembered. She begs God to remember her. She in tears and in great weeping, the Bible says, uh, she was in bitterness of soul. She pours out her soul before the Lord. She's weeping and, 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 and broken and with, with great amount of lamentation, she calls upon the Lord, begging God to remember her. And verse number 19 says that the Lord did in fact remember her. The last statement of verse 19, and the Lord remembered her. Now it would be a great study sometime to look in the Bible about all of those that uh, the Bible says requested for God to remember them. Just a couple off the top of my head. Of course we see Hannah here uh, in the book of Job. God, Job asked God to remember him uh, on the cross. The thief on the cross asked for the Lord uh, to remember him. Uh, there are many different things that the Bible says we are to remember. There uh, is a great study to be had 
relied on uh, the, the requests for remembrance in the Word of God. But here we find a woman that is asking uh, to be remembered. We saw that she was a redeemed woman. She was saved. And she had remarkable faith. She was a remarkable woman. But God wanted us to know that He uh, is causing her to be a remembered woman. And so we see here that uh, Hannah learned something about the Lord. And that is that He is a God that remembers. Amen. A God that is not susceptible to forgetting, uh, but will on purpose choose to remember uh, His people. And I'm thankful, amen, the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord are in all the earth. Amen. He sees all. He knows all. But Hannah here is just simply requesting not, not that necessarily uh, doctrinally speaking or scripturally speaking uh, does she think that God has the capacity for to forget. But what we find here is an outflow of human emotion. Uh, she wants to know. She wants to feel. She wants to recognize that God has his eyes turned upon her and uh, that he knows where she is and what she's going through. And we see that here in these verses. We notice that in, uh, this past Sunday morning and uh, Sunday night, we notice that he, she discovered him to be a God that remembers problems. Verse 4 through 10. She was barren. The Bible says that in verse 5 and 6. Verse 6 and 7, she was belittled by uh, Penina, the other wife there of Elkanah, Hannah's husband. And she was burdened. Verse 7 through 10. Uh, she was in bitterness of soul. The barrenness had, and the belittling had placed a heavy burden upon her. And so she is dealing with great problems, but she found out that her God's a God that when we're going through uh, troublesome tribu uh, uh, situations and trials and tribulations, we have a God that remembers our problems. He knows what we're going through. This morning I want to pick up here in verse number 10 as well. And I want to remind you that not only did Hannah discover that God is a God that remembers and that He remembers problems, but He's a God that remembers prayer. Look at verse number 10. The Bible says, and she, speaking about Hannah here, was in bitterness of soul and, notice this now, prayed unto the Lord, where her problems began to see some change in those problems, when, when she didn't just have problems and sulk in her problems, amen, and just sit there and say, woe is me, and I'll never see the dawning of another day, I'll never see a, 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 a I'll never see any sunshine or any light in my darkness. She didn't just sit there and give up, if you will, but she turned her eyes toward the one that is the only one that could do anything about it. The Bible says that she prayed. If you look at chapter number 2 and verse number 1, the very first three words of the second chapter says, And Hannah prayed. If you study the character of Hannah, you will find that this theme of prayer is the central theme in Hannah's life. It is the one thing that we know about her more than anything else is that she was a woman of prayer. She believed in it. She engaged in it. Amen. She prayed. Amen. And she didn't just run uh, through a list. She meant every word that she said. She on purpose didn't just... I just didn't just say some words and call it praying, but she was genuinely communicating with heaven with all of her heart. She was a lady of prayer. Truly, when you study Hannah, and especially here in our text in chapter number one, we find Hannah taking the action of prayer more than any other single action that she takes in life. When you look at all of the things that she did, more than anything else, you find her praying over and over again between chapter number one and chapter number two. The Bible says here that Hannah prayed and it was a part of her life. And by the way, can I say this? It would be a good day in our life where we incorporated prayer into our daily schedule more than we do. And it became a central theme of our life. Amen. How many people know you that know you to be a person of prayer? And I'll be honest with you. You're, you're looking at somebody. I'm not big 
on telling folks. I, I, me personally, I don't, I don't believe you find a whole lot of that uh, in the scriptures. As a pastor here, I like to remind folks in the church, hey, I'm praying for you. I prayed for you this week. But when it comes to getting down and I prayed for this and I prayed for this long and, and I did all of these things in prayer, I don't believe in making that public. Amen. I don't believe in bragging about those things. I believe those are between me and the Lord. And that doesn't have to be anybody else. Amen. So if you look at me and say, well, preacher doesn't talk about all of his prayer life. There's a reason for that. Amen. When I pray, I don't talk to you. Amen. And uh, that's a private conversation. I, I don't need you to be a part of that. You don't need me to be a part of your life or uh, prayer life. Amen. But the fact of the matter is, is only you and God should truly know whether or not you're, you pray or not. Amen. Whether or not there is a prayer life that is a part of your life in a big way. And if there's not, don't look at me and say, well, preacher, my life has fallen apart. It could be that God wants to put it back together, but he wants you to have enough faith to ask for it. Amen. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. Amen. It might be that your life may not be where you need it to be, or maybe even where God wants it to be, because you haven't cared enough to ask God for it. And amen. I'm just I'm from I'm just speaking from a logical standpoint. Amen. I I, 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 I believe in logic. Amen. I think it would be a good it would be a good day in somebody's life when they when there's folks that could think logically. Amen. And common sense and with some wisdom. Amen. But I'm just I'm just speaking uh, logically here. When you think about prayer and you think about Amen. Uh, somebody's prayer life. I think it would do us well. Amen. To not only have a prayer life, amen, but to make it such a part of our life that people would be able to be like here with Hannah and see the results of it, amen. We see Hannah was a person of prayer. We see here that the text recorded that it was, listen to me now, it was her prayer that moved God onto the scene of her situation. Right. Since I've been pastor here, y'all have heard me mention this quote many times that uh, Brother Robert Jarvis that uh, taught me in Bible college mentioned one time. He said this in a class. Uh, he said that prayer is the slender nerve that moves the arm of omnipotence. If God moves on you on the scene of your situation, chances are it's going to be through prayer. That's right. You think for just a moment, how much sense does it make for God to answer a prayer or a prayer need that you have in your life that it doesn't concern you enough to even pray? I've heard it so many times. Well, and usually people that say this use it as an excuse not to pray. They'll say, well, preacher, God already knows all the needs of my life. He knows what's in my heart. And yes, God does do that. But there are so many there are so many commands in the Word of God for us to be a praying people that God wants to hear us pray. Amen. Uh, Brother Coates that's been teaching our Bible college class in the book of Philippians uh, on Thursday. Thursday night, he mentioned this about prayer. He said, prayer is not to inform God, but rather we pray to involve God. And God doesn't need us to pray to inform him about what's going on in our life. He's omnipresent. Amen. He's everywhere all the time. He's omniscient. He knows all things that ever will be. He knows the end from the beginning. He knew everything that would take place in your life before there ever was a life given to you. God knows it all. But he wants you to love him enough and believe him enough to, to involve him in what's going on in your life. Amen. So many people, people complain about not having answered prayer. Amen. And God, uh, not necessarily not answered prayer, but God not doing certain things that they think God should be doing in their life. But they're not bothered enough about God not doing it or the fact that they need it in their life enough to ever ask him for it. Amen. Amen. The Bible says that we are to be people of prayer. It was her praying that got God's attention. And I remind you this morning that it is prayer that gets the attention of God today. Amen. I remind you of a famous passage, and I've used it several times, usually in uh, some kind of testimony service that we have around here. I, I don't know if I think maybe once I've preached on this in terms of uh, just an actual sermon uh, series or uh, just a standalone message. Normally I mention this uh, just as the Lord leads in a testimony time. But Matthew chapter number 7, verse number 7, Jesus said this, Ask, and it shall be given 
you. Yes, Notice Christ said for you to ask. Again, not to inform him, but to involve him. He goes on to say, Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. There is an intensity in our prayer and our desire in those verses. One, to ask, then to seek. There's more energy involved in seeking. Amen. Uh, my, my, one of the things, I guess, and, and ladies, I don't know if your husband's this way, uh, but I will say that this, this particular husband is this way. Uh, me and my wife have had conversations at the house, and I'll be looking for something of mine or something for the kids. Amen. And I, I've told my wife I am amazed at how she knows where everything in our home is. You know, she'll be able to tell me, you know, if there's a kid's toy over in the corner of the room, she knows that it's there. I don't even, I, I, I don't even know how it's possible to just remember where everything is laid in the house and where everything belongs. Amen. And uh, y'all, with especially with small kids, y'all know that even though everything has a place. That doesn't mean that it's always going to stay in that in the place all the time. But I have, as a man, I guess, I don't know, maybe just as me, amen. I know you husbands probably won't be bold enough to say amen to what I'm going to say. Uh, and I'll have to talk to your wives, amen, and see what they say after the service. But uh, for me, I have a bad habit of if I need something found, I don't necessarily go looking for it right away. Any other husbands like me to where I'll say, you know, I'll tell my wife, hey, do you know where this particular item is? Yeah, yeah. And she'd say, well, you could look for it just like I can. I was like, I'm not going to go look for it because I know you know where it is. Why take the time to look for it if you already know where it is? Amen. Why is that? Because there is, a, there is more. Uh, it is a lot easier to ask than it is to seek. It's easier for me to just say, hey, honey, where is this particular thing than it is for me to go on a search on it? And how many of you ladies can testify to this that most of us men don't really do a whole good job at seeking? Amen. It was right where you, it was, she'll tell me all the time, it was right where you looked. Well, apparently I looked over it. Amen. And she tells us because y'all, you don't know how to look for nothing. Amen. And uh, praise, apparently I put the blinders on when, when I go seeking for something. Amen. But it's easier to ask than it is to seek. So there's an intensity there. And then the knocking, that's repetition. Knock and it shall be open to you. And then Jesus said, for everyone that asketh receiveth and he that seeketh findeth. And uh, to him that knocketh it shall be open. And then the Bible says this, for what man is there of you whom if he asks his son, ask her. For if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? If he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If, he, if ye then be an evil know how to give good gifts unto your children. How much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask Him? Did you see the difference there in the asking, the seeking, and the knocking versus the uh, versus the getting, the giving, the finding, and the opening. Ask, seek, and knock. That is on the part of the individual that is praying. And then the giving, the finding, and the opening. That is God's response to the prayer. That is God's involvement in the prayer. In other words, when Jesus said ask, he was saying you need to get God's attention. When God said, when he, when he said seek and knock, he's saying that if you'll do those things, God, uh, it's, uh, that you will have God's attention in the sense of the, his involvement. Not that we have a God that can't see, not that we have a God that does not hear, but he wants to have an invitation. If Revelation chapter number 3 and verse number 20 teaches me anything, it is that God is a perfect gentleman. When the Bible says, behold, I stand at the door door and knock. And if any man uh, would open up the door, I'll come in uh, unto him and, and sup with him. Amen. God wants, he is a, uh, is a perfect gentleman. He wants you to open the door. He wants that in our prayer life. He wants that in the context of Revelation 3.20. He wants that in our churches. Amen. You won't see God evident in churches 
If there's a church that will never in their spirit open up the door, if we want God to be a part of our services here at Beacon Baptist Church, God must know that he is welcome to be involved in our church. Amen. Our prayer life, we are inviting God into our life. In Jeremiah 33, 3, that famous verse of prayer, when it says, call unto me, that is our prayer. And then God's attention is seen in the fact that he said, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things. You want great and mighty things? You must do the calling first. Amen. God's attention is grabbed. Amen. When we pray. Amen. I think about Psalm 91 verse number 15 when the psalmist said, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. It sounds like the, that sounds like God is very involved in that verse in the trouble that the psalmist is going through. So it is prayer that uh, gets the attention of God. Here we see Hannah wants God's attention and therefore she prays. Look at verse number 10. We see the revelations of her prayer. Go back with me to 1 Samuel uh, if you turned over to that Matthew passage. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter uh, number 1 and verse number 10. Uh, the Bible says this there in verse number 10. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. Notice the revelations of her prayer. And what I mean by that is what is revealed in these verses about her prayer. The first thing we see revealed is that her prayer is a desperate prayer. Look with me at verse number 10 again. She was in bitterness of soul. The, the verse ends with this statement that she wept sore. Here we see those two statements, bitterness of soul, weeping sore. Uh, that kind of emotion is not invoked until an individual is in a state of desperation over their need. Their emotions has been stirred to the point to where they realize that there is very little that they can do because if Hannah was at a place that she thought she could handle it on her own, than she would have and she wouldn't have been so upset about what she was dealing with but when she got to the place where she realized I can no longer handle what I'm going through then we see her at a point of desperation bitterness of soul weeping before the Lord weeping sore with great agony and intensity is what that means here we see her prayer and we see it it's a desperate prayer this prayer was her last hope of seeing this need answered of seeing a child in her life as a broken hearted mother that no doubt has tried and tried to have a child and yet God for some reason has not answered. We through the inspiration and preservation of the scriptures know exactly why uh, this why this happened to Hannah. The Bible said I've dealt with it already. Verse 8 it says that the Lord had shut up her womb. Verse, uh, or excuse me verse 5 says that. Verse 6 says the Lord had shut up her womb. But I'll remind you of this. We know that because we have a completed copy of the scriptures in that moment. It's very well that Hannah most likely did not know that. Have you ever been brought to the point of desperation because you've faced something in your life and the one thing that would, the one thing that would have been some kind of uh, relief and consolation to you would be to simply know why? Amen. But we don't always know why. And can I say this this morning? God doesn't owe us a why. People say it all the time. Well, we'll understand why when we get to heaven. I've never seen that in the pages of the Word of God. That God will explain himself on everything he's ever done to us when we get heaven to heaven. Friend, I'd love for you to show me chapter and verse on that because I'll say this. When I get to heaven, amen, I may, I may have a glorified body. I may have a body that sin doesn't have a hold of anymore. I may be the best version of myself that I've ever been. But even in that moment, I'm still not God. And he is. And he, he is God alone. And he does not deserve. I don't owe. He doesn't owe me, rather, any explanations for him. I'll just be glad I'm there. I'll be glad, amen, about those who are there. I'll be glad to worship the Lord and to enjoy the wonderful glories of that land, that city. Amen. Amen. You put this old boy from Calpin, South Carolina, on a street of gold. I'm not going to have a whole lot of questions. I'm just going to be glad to be there. Amen. amen. Praise the Lord. 
It's yes, a desperate sir. prayer. Yes. It was her last hope. She didn't know what else to do, so she called upon the Lord. You know, I'll say this. I'm glad that Hannah in that moment knew what to do, knew what was right to do. Can I say this? It was her last hope, but I'm thankful it wasn't her last choice. So many times, and y'all know I'm telling the truth, so many times we go through things and we pray, and if we'd all be honest, praying is the last thing that we do. When there is literally, we have exhausted every human option, then we pray. I'll say this, yes, Hannah was in bitterness of soul and she's weeping sorely before the Lord, but we see very early on in this trial that Hannah begins to pray. It's not, the text does not show us, does not illuminate to us out of these verses anything that she tried prior to praying. And I'll be honest, in her humanity, she probably did. Before she got to this point, she probably had some kind of plan with her husband. She probably tried to have a child. She, they probably uh, sought whatever, possibly could have even sought whatever kind of medical help would have been due in that day. I'm not saying Hannah didn't do those things. What I am saying, because she's just as much flesh and blood as we are and has the same propensities that we do. What I'm saying, though, is, is that God did not allow any of those things to be put in the Scripture. Why? Because He wanted us to have the lesson of coming to Him first. Right. It's the same reason why if you study the character of Joseph in your Old Testament, you will not find one recorded sin that Joseph ever committed. You say, preacher, does that mean that Joseph was sinless? No. He was just as much human as me and you and everyone else in this room is. Amen. He was a sinner just like we were or just like we are. And he needs to be saved. He needed to be saved just like we do. Amen. But the reason why God did not record any sins of Joseph is because in a human being, Joseph's record in the scripture makes him the greatest representative of Christ, the greatest picture of Christ in our in our uh, in our Bible, definitely in the Old Testament, in a person you can make an argument that maybe the temple is a better picture, but I'm talking about in a human being, and so therefore, to complete the picture we find no recorded sins of Joseph. Right. You can find over a hundred over a hundred different similarities between the life of Joseph and the life of Jesus Christ. Over a hundred if you'll study it out. Now, y'all are probably glad I hadn't preached a sermon, a sermon series on Joseph <laughs> it being a picture of Christ. Because y'all know me, I'd make a point to hit every one of them. Amen. But I will say this. There are some things that I believe, you know, the Bible, the Bible is not, and I've said this before, others have said this before. When you read the Bible, you're not reading everything that God knows. You're reading everything He wanted us to know. There's a lesson here about coming to God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We find a lesson in someone who sought God first here. It was a desperate prayer, but it was a directed prayer. Verse number 10, after she is in bitterness of soul and wept sore, the Bible says this, that she prayed unto the Lord. When I say it's a directed prayer, she directed her prayer to God. She did not pray to false gods, as many in the world do. She did not pray to some, uh, some uh, conjured up uh, Jesus, some conjured up God. Brother Tommy dealt with some of that in Sunday school this morning about folks that have uh, their own perception of God. Yesterday, for a few minutes, I was listening to uh, somebody preaching on Facebook. I went to their page. I was listening to a sermon on their page. The only way I could get to it was on Facebook. And so I listened to it there. And as I was pulling away from the page, I saw where there was another post that someone had put on there that said that I am a Hindu and I love Jesus and I have accepted him in my life. But the first statement said I'm a Hindu. Oh. 
Do you know why somebody that's Hindu would say that? Because Hindus believe in polytheism. They believe in multiple gods. It is okay for, the, it does not harm their ideology to have all of the thousands of gods that they have and just add Jesus Christ to the bottom of the list and just add him on to the, this person said, I said, I have accepted him into my life. Now the, now then someone would look at that and say, oh, well, they're going to heaven. But this person has never turned away from their Hinduism. That's right. That's right. If, if you do not, if you have anything else that you're trusting in other than Jesus, there was no true salvation. There was no true born again experience. If you get saved, you will trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone for your salvation. People all over the world will pray and they will, they will do all kinds of things that they think is necessary for prayer and they think they're getting a hold of God. But if you're not praying to the God of heaven, you're not praying to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If you're not praying to the God of this Bible, you're not praying to a God. You're praying to what the Bible calls a false God, a false deity, that any power behind them comes from the devil. It comes from the demons of hell. And that has, in our world today, that has drawn so many people uh, to the world that we're living in. Amen. My pastor used to say this. I think we said not that I want watched it, but I saw different news uh, reports about it. Amen. I hope none of you were godless enough to watch the Grammys recently. Oh, My pain. I... I know I'm gonna make I'm gonna make uh, I'm gonna make folks mad when I say this, but my pastor used to preach this to us. He would say that the Super Bowl was the devil's camp meeting, and he'd say the Grammys was his missions conference. You watch those two things: Super Bowl halftime show, which a lot of churches are incorporating into their Super Bowl Sundays, which I think is out of hell. Amen goes right there. They'll put it up on the screens in the church and they'll watch those things. And all the while, it is as demonic, it is as occultic, it is as wicked and sinful as hell itself. You just see the images that came off of the Grammys this year will make a Christian with a, with a heart for God sick at their stomach to see people with devil horns and to see, to see people uh, doing all kinds. Of, if you study those things several years ago, that Super, uh, that, uh, Super Bowl uh, performance, like it was several years ago that uh, Beyonce did, it was nothing more than a satanic ritual. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. These people are demon possessed. Yeah. Beyonce has no problem letting you know that she's demon possessed. Right. She'll tell you what the name of her demon is. And when she goes out on stage, she has admitted that she is at, under the control of someone else. Yep. The world embraces yep. a God that is not the God of the Bible. And I'm telling you, when we call upon our God, the God of the Bible, we're calling upon someone that is real and can help us. Yes. Not by the power of the devil. He has enough liberty that God gives him. My pastor used to say, it's enough rope to hang himself. <laughs> he is the little G-O-D God of this world. But friend, you listen to the preacher this morning. That's coming to an end one day. And the God that we're praying to is the one that's going to put it all uh, to an end. I'm telling you, when Hannah prayed, she knew not only to pray, but she knew who to pray to. Hallelujah. Amen. She didn't pray to totem poles. She didn't pray to dead ancestors. She didn't pray to others, beseeching them for their help and their aid. Hannah prayed to the Lord. Only he could help. And so she prayed to him. The revelations of her prayer. Number two, I want you to see this, the request of her prayer. She requested three things from the Lord in verse number 11. When she said, the Bible says she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And briefly, if you will look, she asked for three things in this one verse. She asked for God to look 
In verse number 11, look on the affliction of thine handmaid. She asked God to remember. She said, and remember me. And then later on in the verse she says, uh, and wilt give. She asked God to look. She asked God to remember. She asked God to give. When she asked God to look, we find that, that he did. When, when she, she asked God to remember, we find out that he is soon to. And then when, we, when she asked him to give, we find out that before the end of the chapter, God has given her exactly what she prayed for. And, and again, I state to you, there is a great lesson in this. Not only in the revelation of her prayer, but in the request of her prayer. You say, preacher, what's that lesson? God doesn't just want you to pray. God wants you to pray specifically. Amen. She asked for God to look, remember, and give. And that's exactly what God did. Why? Because that's exactly what she prayed. She prayed for exactly what she wanted. I believe in specific praying. I believe that every Christian ought to have a specific set of things that you want to see God do and that you're willing to ask Him for, not just general things. I've given this example here before that if you come in on Sunday morning and you say, God, will you save somebody today? Amen. How do you know God didn't save somebody across the town or across the world? God answered your prayer. Amen. We've even got in our day, we've got to be more specific. Amen. Than, amen. And I know God's bigger than this. I'm just making a joke when I say this. Amen. But if you ask God to pray for Beacon Baptist Church, amen, now uh, that we, we've got two of those around the world. We've got this one. We've got one in Africa. God's saving folks there. Amen. We ought to have it. I mean, I'd say that in jest. I know God's big enough and omniscient enough. He knows our heart in that. Amen. But I'll say this. There's a great lesson. Amen. When you ask God to save somebody in the church service that you attend. Amen. That's why I always say God save somebody in this room before we leave. Amen. Amen. That's what I'd like to see. Yes. Pray specifically. Philippians 1.4 says always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy. Paul said that he's making requests to God on their behalf with joy. Philippians 4.6 says be careful for nothing. Be anxious. Be worried about nothing if you will. He says but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Notice here in this passage, we do not find Hannah demanding anything of the Lord. I have seen, especially in the charismatic realm of Christianity, the Pentecostal realm, the church of God, their prayers are a lot of times are with an attitude you hear about the televangelist and you hear about that crowd where it's the name it, claim it, or as Brother uh, Andy Wells likes to say, blab it and grab it. Amen. Amen. But they have a philosophy where they say they believe that if I, and I've heard Joel Osteen say this, I've heard other of that Word of Faith movement say this, that if we speak it, we manifest it. If we say it out loud, we manifest it. And with our, with our spoken words, we can create. Let me just, let me say this. All of that is demeaning to who God is. Right. There's only one that has the ability to create with a spoken word, and that's God Almighty. Amen. When Joel Osteen says that, he's putting himself in the place of God. Yes, when Creflo Dollar says that, he's putting himself in the place of God. When Benny Hinn says that, he's putting himself in the place of God. When Joyce Meyer says that, she's putting herself in the place of God. Uh. Only God can create with a spoken word. But here is what's at the heart of that. If I will just ask, God is obligated to do what I ask him to do, what I tell him to do. That's the heart of the name it, claim it group of folks. That if I ask God for it, he's obligated to do it for me because I demand it of God. You hear them talk about prayer. You hear them talking about uh, receiving things, spiritual things, whatever they talk about. It's, it's, never, it's never from a position of complete surrender. God, I want what you have in my life. They put themselves in a place where they believe that they can demand of God and it be done. That's what the whole faith healing thing is. When you, a couple of years ago, when Kenneth Copeland... As the great spiritual ignoramus that he is, 
figured idiot wouldn't be a nice word, but when he stared into a television camera and he said, I stand in the office of the prophet of God and I blow COVID out of this country. And then he at 80 years old goes, brother Brandon, he looked like an idiot. Why? Because that book does not call us to do that. And then we have, we have, we have people that are still battling COVID today. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're battling today. Yeah. So either Kenneth Copeland was wrong or his office of the prophet of God was askew because he didn't get rid of the COVID. But the attitude behind that is because of who I am, God will do what I make him do. Wow. What? That's not what Hannah did. Yeah. Hannah, and, and I mentioned this like the last last Sunday night, the last, two weeks ago when we were here. I mentioned here in the verse that when it, when she begins to pray, the operative word in verse number eleven is that two letter word if. That speaks of request. She didn't say, God, give me a man child because I declare it. I, 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 I manifest it and you're going to do it because I say. She didn't say that. She said, God, if you will, this is what I want. Our prayer life is nothing more than requesting. Again, God does not owe us anything. And God knows better than we do. And sometimes we'll pray for things that are not what's best for us. We may not know that yet, being finite and being human and having, uh, having uh, an, a, a mental ability that is not where God is. One whose thoughts are higher than our thoughts. One who is omniscient and knows everything. He knows what's best for us even when we don't. And we may be praying and praying and praying. And the greatest thing that ever happened to me... And the greatest thing that ever happened to you, if you'd be honest, is God has not always given you everything you've asked for. Amen. That was better preaching than the amen supplied. Amen. God, I'm thankful God didn't give me everything that I asked for. It was the grace of God in my life that he didn't give me everything that I asked for. Amen. Here we find her requesting. Here we see her calling out to one who is powerful and she, uh, one who is holy and powerful. She simply realizes her sinfulness, her feebleness in character, her issues uh, of, of being human and being, uh, being uh, fleshly a man. And she calls out to one who's not what she is to do what she cannot. We can do nothing to force his hand. All we can do is put a request in and leave it up to the determinate counsel of God whether God will choose to answer the way we ask or not, knowing that however He chooses, it's best. We see her prayer. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God wants you to put a request in. He's not, he's not saying, never ask me for anything. We do see an attitude of that it is requesting and it's not demanding. But God says for believers to come boldly, to come confidently, to come realizing that you have a God that not only wants to hear from you, but he takes joy in hearing from you. And when he hears from you, you can have confidence that he has heard and he will do what's right with your request. Last thing I'll give you this morning is this. We see the revelations of her prayer. We see the request of her prayer. Lastly, I want us to see the reward of her prayer. Verse number 20. I'll, I'll probably pick up here either tonight or Sunday. We'll see. Look at verse 20. The Bible says, Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about, was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel saying because I have asked him of the Lord she received because God chose 
to answer her prayer. God rewarded her faithful praying, answered her specific praying, and gave her what she needed. Now, I'll say this. I'll flesh that out more maybe this evening. But let me say this this morning. I don't know what it is that you need in your life. I don't know what it is. I hope, as I said, I hope you have a prayer life. I hope you pray, and I hope you have a prayer list. I hope you have a desire to see God do things in your life. I hope you have a, a vision for God to do great things in your life, that you aren't just satisfied with just being saved and that's it. But there's always something that you need and desire from the Lord. Not just physical things, but even spiritual things you want God to give you in your life. Here Now, I'm not saying God will always do it. There have been many times, as I already said, it, it's been a, it was a great, great thing for me when God didn't give me everything that I've ever asked for. But I will say this, I am thankful for a God that while He may not give me everything I've ever asked for, He has given me a lot of things that I have asked for. God has given me some reward to my prayer. I'll say this, one of the things that makes me want to go back to my prayer closet and pray again is when God rewards prayer. When God answers a prayer. When God answers a prayer, especially a specific prayer, what's the one thing you'll want to do next? You'll want to ask Him for something else. Amen. Amen. God has answered prayer after prayer after prayer in my life. And when He does that, it makes you want to ask Him for more. Amen. So this morning you have an opportunity. I hope you have a prayer life. If not, I hope you let God search your heart and do business in your heart today. Why don't you come this morning? Why don't you make your place there a place of prayer and begin to ask God to help you to grow in a walk with Him that is cultivated and anchored in prayer? Why don't you this morning, if you have a need, why don't you bring it to Him realizing that we have a God that's big enough, as the girl sang, to handle whatever it is you're going through. You have a God that wants to hear from you. And now you have a God that while He may not always do what you ask Him to do, He's able to. And if He chooses to, if He chooses that it's best for you, He'll answer it according to your need. Why don't you just try Him this morning and see if He won't reward your faithful prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm done preaching this morning. We'll have our musicians come play this morning. Let's stand across the building for a time of invitation. If you need to come, you come on this morning. Let God work in your heart. Put the call in to the Lord for something that's going on in your life. Let God minister to you. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com. Jesus, I will sell Jesus.